0: Welcome to the Be Transformed podcast, where we're having ongoing digital discipleship conversations about when and where the kingdom and the culture collide.
1: Episode 39, Discipleship.
0: Recently, we were in a rescue church leaders slash media team uh, meeting when I was made aware I was... uh, A rude awakening happened to me about our Instagram and and Deb trying to help us with it, help us understand things about it, which is really helpful. And then I was recently reminded of a rampage I went on on the church Instagram page (laughs) about discipleship, and I thought that this would make a good podcast because there's a lot of clear... Points and I'll start from the end goal. And the end goal of discipleship is to become Christ like. So, starting from the very end, we're going to work back. And so, this disappointment is a part of discipleship. I don't know about you guys, but I've experienced um, a lot of disappointment. I think some of it is based on false expectations. Um, misunderstood uh ideas i think some of it is thinking things are going to happen faster than they really would like what are some honest and genuine disappointments that you guys have had like in terms of discipleship
1: i have a really embarrassing one
0: (laughs) it's fine if you want
1: um it's funny um when i first came back to the lord I was surrounded by a lot of immature prophets Um, and I think there are words that I got at that time that were definitely valid um, and that the Holy Spirit has confirmed in Mm -hmm. different ways through more seasoned prophets, hallelujah, Um, and... um, Basically, I got really hyped up thinking I was going to meet my future spouse very quickly after getting saved. And I thought it was going to happen in a specific time frame. And when it didn't, I got like so disillusioned and like confused. And then yep. God basically told me, like, did you even like clear that by me? Like, yeah. did Hey,
0: you don't even... feel embarrassed. The Lord told me I was going to marry three ladies and I never married <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking but not really but don't feel embarrassed because yeah. people miss it we miss yeah. it today I was actually now Now that you say that today I was actually seeing some news about a man who's not doing well and I think that I may have to apologize for missing a prophetic word because mm-hmm. I thought that he was gonna be well and so it's mm-hmm. like I haven't given up hope but I want to say that disappointment and missing it is a part of it and you see this where Jesus is fully aware that his best guys are not ready to represent him. Mm -hmm. And he knows that. He just needs them to know that. And so when they know that they're not ready to represent him well, as they learn to follow him, they become ready to represent him well. And so I think that, Uh, That's just something, you know, I think that we've been disappointed in ourselves. I think we've been disappointed sometimes in other people where maybe you thought that a relationship was gonna be more meaningful or that there would be a faster turnaround. I think that this is just something that we experience. And I think one of the reasons we experience it so heavily, I would say, is because we're charismatic, Pentecostal, and we believe in the supernatural. And the supernatural of God is amazing, but it doesn't fix all of my shortcomings so you know you can god can do something immediately but and and he may but i may actually walk through a long and painful process of change before a transformation takes place before suddenly comes you know chris valzin said it suddenly is 20 years in the making mm-hmm. and so i think that when you have this like this supernatural faith which is also a part of discipleship you know you have a sense that anything could change at any moment and it can and sometimes it does but it also may not Mm -hmm. and so how are you going to navigate like managing your sexuality in terms of being a single person i had to do it for like five years you know when before i was not used to that type of management um and so you know you you have to learn like okay monica didn't meet you know mr right right away But now she has to possess her vessel for honor, which is actually interesting. Actually, one of my points on... Discipleship, like learning to have self control over your sexuality, is a part of discipleship. In fact, the early Christians were known for what they did not participate in. And so when Paul is speaking about food sacrifice idols, he's also talking about Christians being non participatory in like public feasts, which were kind of like public orgies. And so when the Christians didn't celebrate with the pagans, it was clear. Uh, who they were and what they were about based on their non-participation. And so that is a part of um, discipleship. Failure um, is another part of discipleship. Jesus sends them out to cast out demons. They couldn't do it. Do you think that he didn't know that? (laughs) He knew that, they didn't know that. And what's fascinating about them is like, they have the faith after they're rejected, which is also a part of discipleship rejection. They have the faith to call fire down from heaven on a Samaritan village because they have a proof text for their prejudice, but they don't have the faith to cast a demon out of a little boy. <laughs> it's, like, it's like you have the faith to call fire down from heaven, but you don't have the faith to do children's church ministry. <laughs> you know, and, and it's like, but that, that anger was, was stoked mm. because it, rejection touches anger. Mm. And so that's, you know, failure, rejection, that's a part of discipleship. Um, I, I think that it's all part of it. It's, it's painful. It's not exciting. Nobody signs up to be rejected. But sometimes rejection is protection sometimes you know you kind of get like the cold shoulder from a group of people and it may be better for you to not roll with people that are not really actually committed to you care about you or really love you um anyway correction that is also sometimes correction is protection um correction is is part of discipleship jesus was constantly rebuking his best guys peter was always getting rebuked um he called he said peter get behind me satan you know and he addressed the value system that values the things of man and not not the things of god so i think that that's a real part of it um and when correction comes to us sometimes it sounds offensive sometimes it feels offensive sometimes it feels abrupt but if you're perceiving it correctly it's for your benefit um It's like, how can you be a teacher if you're not teachable? How can you influence people if you will not allow God to influence you and speak into your life? I mean, I think that that's a major um, thing. I think mature Christians actually solicit correction. Like anytime I wanna get better at something, whether it's lifting or finances or just understanding anything, I think that when you really want to see results you welcome correction and feedback. And I think that that's part of discipleship. And also like when Jesus sent them out, when they came back, they told him all the things that they did. And so then he he gave them feedback on that and it's like don't don't rejoice because you know demons are subject to you. Rejoice because your name is written in heaven. But he but he gave them feedback. Um, even how to perceive what just happened and the correct value system about what just happened. That's also a major part of feedback. Me personally, I don't know, I would like to open this up with you guys. What do you think? I don't see making disciples in a biblical way any other way except advancing the gospel, preaching the gospel, and ministering to the sick and to the needy. Like, I don't see discipleship just happening on a podcast or discipleship just happening in a church service but i see that discipleship is made the disciples are made in the highway and byways Mm -hmm. of real life when you're ministering to real people and real needs yeah but me i don't i don't think you can make real disciples without a real gospel so i don't think people can be really discipled in christ without the supernatural Mm -hmm. what do you think
2: yeah i mean because one way i look at discipleship is it's cultural assimilation meaning we're getting assimilated into the culture of the kingdom of god Mm -hmm. boom you know and it's like we're letting go of what's in our culture not all of it it's not saying our culture is bad but whenever our culture is in conflict with the kingdom of god's culture we're choosing god's culture and like you said the only way we could even see the active agent of the kingdom of god at work is through the gospel engage with people engage in preaching the word engage with supernatural things because it's an unseen reality that's only shown when it's active in the field, out in the mission field. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I think that we have to have like with that, like having a balanced perspective on that, like you have to have the faith for God to move right now, but you also have to walk, you have to have the love and the patience to walk with people. Like if if what you're believing, you don't see right now. Mm -hmm. Like if I don't see you get out of a wheelchair, I'll still wheel you down the street and love on you. You you know what I'm trying to say? Like I think that, I learned something from Randy Clark I thought it was really helpful he's like not everyone gets healed but everyone gets loved and so yeah. I think that we can't lose that faith for that immediate breakthrough but we also have to have that love where we're willing to walk with people for a lifetime Yeah, you know and, and sometimes we don't understand why things don't happen but like just cuz i don't just cuz when i preach the gospel everyone doesn't get saved doesn't mean i'm not going to preach the gospel so it's the same thing with healing the sick like just cuz every single person doesn't get healed doesn't mean we're not going to heal the sick and preach the gospel and I, and i think that we have to have just a deep resolution within us that this is this is god's work and we're partnering with him and we're leaving the results in his hands and and you know people will be like well you didn't have enough faith or you know you lack authority there's a bunch of different reasons as to why things don't happen. I'm not God. There are some valid reasons. But there's also like in Hebrews 11, these all died in faith, not having received the promise. So there was no lack of faith. It was an issue of timing and season. Yeah. So I just feel like we don't need an explanation mm-hmm. like for everything. But we definitely have to approach everyone with faith in love. And I think that that's also a real part of discipleship. I also think having a Christ-centered view of Scripture is part of discipleship. Like Jesus reinterpreted the Scriptures after his resurrection through himself. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, even in Jonah's story, Jonah being in, in the fish three days, he he brought that into who, who he was and what he was doing. So having a Christ-centered view of Scripture is a part of discipleship, but also that's the internal and as you read the Scripture. But as you see Scripture through, as you see reality through the lens of Scripture, developing a biblical worldview is also part of discipleship. Because if you don't develop a biblical worldview, how can you be doing the Lord's will and the Lord's work if you don't see things the Lord's way. I think Christians run into this many times with like government or sexuality where we don't see things through the lens of scripture, but we're seeing society through our own context and, and, and. And our own pain and our own stories doesn't change what is true, what is right, what is good, what God intended, and what brings life. Yeah. So I think that that's um, something. And I also think that it's if you don't have a biblical understanding of government, it's very easy to vote for the wrong people or put too much hope in yeah. the wrong person. Mm-hmm. Like I, I saw that with with the with you know conservatives. I'm a conservative. I voted for Trump, but I feel like people are putting too much hope in one person and that seems weird to me that doesn't seem healthy the same way voting for the devil doesn't seem wise so so, but my point is i'm i'm filtering both of those um mistakes Mm -hmm. that are culturally present within modern christianity through the lens of scripture
2: yeah yeah the things of the world is not our hope even government if anything we're the answer to a lot of things, so we should be the influence towards government. Yeah. So even you know, even in our two-party political system, whether it's Democrat or Republican, I would love to have Christians on all all ends of the spectrum, just just to be be impactful in all areas. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and I think that you will find things that are uh, anomalies, such as pro-life Democrats or yeah, actually compassionate conservatives. I, I, th- I think that those are both anomalies. They're not a lot, but I think that God always has people mm-hmm. the same way he had Daniel in Babylon and Joseph mm-hmm. in Egypt mm-hmm. and Moses in a little basket floating down the river not knowing that the lady that's about to adopt him is the father of the person whose kingdom he's going to destroy. Um, you know, But anyhow, God, that's how, <laughs> that's how it be sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, learning to give and forgive is a part of discipleship mm-hmm. because the world is like take, minds, hustle, grind, mm-hmm. and revenge. Mm-hmm. And the kingdom is like give and forgive. Jesus didn't say if you give. He said when you give, when you pray, when you fast, not if, mm-hmm. when. Those are whens, not ifs. Mm-hmm. And, and forgiving is a prerequisite to receiving forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes people are not really aware of that i think sometimes people like the idea of jesus more than jesus and what jesus actually taught mm. so the idea of jesus is more um marketable and palatable than what jesus actually said yeah <laughs> okay I think, um,
1: it's interesting um, Just reading through the scripture that um, you sent today in uh, in our group chat, Pastor, uh, some scriptures about discipleship, and it's Luke nine through ten about the commissioning of the of the seventy two, and right after that is the parable of the good Samaritan, and it's like this sort of like self righteous lawyer like standing up to Jesus, asking him like what shall I do to inherit eternal life, and he's talking and. The, he knows that that he's that uh, he recites. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he just kind of again, you know, like a little the the. The ESV says, Desiring to justify himself. He says, Who is my neighbor? Jesus obviously knows the intention of that question what's on that man's heart. So he gives the parable of the Samaritan, right? And just like you mentioned, there was some beef between the Jews and the Samaritans. I don't know all that history, but... 700 um, years
0: of beef. mm -hmm. It's a lot of beef.
1: So it's like, he pulls that up to say this is the kind of love that you need to have for your neighbor. Um, And I also think about, um, I was watching a teaching by N.T. Wright last night about um, basically Peter kind of being reconciled with Jesus um, after, you know, um, Jesus came back um, in his, you know, um, just embodied person. Peter's breakfast. Yeah, the the breakfast by the (laughs) Um, sea. He's um and you know, he's saying, you know, like to Jesus, like, I I love you, you know, I'm I'm so happy you're here, or whatever. And you know, Jesus is like, Will you be, um, do you love me? And he's like, and and, and it's Awkward. this this and he asked him and Jesus asked him three questions to kind of mirror like the three times that he Peter denied him, him right? Yeah. And he's just like, Do you love me? And he was like, Yes, I'm your friends. And he's just like, Do you love me? And he's like, Yes, I'm your friend. And then he's just like, Well, if you're my friend, like will you feed my flock? And of course peter doesn't even really understand what that means at that Mm. point he doesn't get it but um (laughs) but the way that um that professor wright was was teaching it was like this was just kind of jesus showing how we need to handle relationships and that kind of reconciliation you Mm. know and and jesus really showing us how that forgiveness is is key i mean obviously jesus being (laughs) the lamb of god in so many deep layers profound uh profound uh understanding of what forgiveness means through him but in that very human way of like a friend betraying a friend you know it's like yeah it's real yeah like it's some real stuff and it just goes to show like and one thing that i've learned throughout my own um kind of even inner healing process um has been um how there are so many um boundaries and walls that unforgiveness creates and that there were levels that I couldn't reach in my relationship with the Lord and hearing Him and seeing Him clearly that I couldn't get to um, when I had uh, Pence up unforgiveness in my heart, whether it be through someone who hurt me, whether it be through my own self, was a big thing that I didn't even yep. realize was a thing. Self bitterness. I was like, oh, that's the thing. Like, I literally had that moment like in, in DK and Cena's living room, and I was yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. self bitterness is a thing. And I was yeah. like, so I shouldn't be calling myself the B word every day? Like, oh,
0: like. Yeah, I remember me. when I discovered that, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> we got a situation. I'm the situation. It's like, not even the devil. It's like, <laughs> man, it's me. Dang. <laughs> I'm saying so the man in the mirror yeah i I love that nugget she dropped on there you know it's like and people don't realize that that whole passage is really something Mm -hmm. and to make it more awkward jesus is like you love me more than the rest of these guys Mm. (laughs) it's like to the guy that just left him and you know sold him out and then jesus but look at jesus like you know what actually restoration is a part of discipleship Mm -hmm. forgiveness and restoration because he easily could have been like okay you're forgiven you're you're gonna be one of the 12 but you're not gonna be like the chief guy mm-hmm. and he like restored him fully and what's fascinating is he called him his old name three times mm. and then he jesus. goes he, he asks him do you love me do you love me and they're then they're playing in greek with words because mm. it's 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 uh phileo phileo and then it's agape so jesus J- jesus is messing yeah. think- with
2: peter i hate how we lose that at the english
0: Yeah, Yeah, I hate hate English, even though it's the only thing I speak. (laughs) But it's like, it's not. It's such a, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's really, anyway. So that's such a, but yeah. You know, Monica brought up Luke uh, Mm -hmm. 9 and Matthew 10. Those are also really important discipleship passages because Jesus tells them where to go, where not to go, what to take, how to operate, how to move. He tells them to do things that are impossible. Mm Mm-hmm. Learning to do impossible things is part of discipleship. Mm -hmm. He tells them to heal the sick. He doesn't say pray for the sick. He tells them don't go to anyone except the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So he gives them really specific parameters. And this is something that people miss. But actually learning to follow instructions is actually a really important part of discipleship. And you see this in life when you're an apprentice to a plumber or to an electrician. Like if you don't follow instructions really specifically Mm -hmm. you could have a really big problem Mm. and and i think that that's something that is important one of the things i've taught about discipleship that it's a four-part process correction what not to do instruction what to do encouragement you can do it and opportunity go and do it and so you see that with jesus you see that with the disciples And so this whole idea of them learning to actually follow instructions carefully and then debrief after the journey and them learning why they weren't ineffective the time they couldn't cast a demon out, all of these things are really important parts of discipleship. And so that's where there needs to be authenticity, transparency, humility. There has to be... um, That's all really, really important to really cultivate um, real disciples. Now, another thing... Uh, that needs to be cultivated is a life of prayer. Cultivating a life of prayer is a part of discipleship. Learning how to respond and not overreact, that's a part of discipleship. Um, Learning how to steward finances, this is a part of discipleship. People are going to one day lay money at Peter's feet. Like they have to learn how to delegate authority so that, you know, the widows, the Greek widows can be fed because there was a little bit of an ethnic issue going on you know and the apostles had to appoint people to do that because as N.T. Wright says that the central task of apostolic ministry is the word of God in prayer so the apostles were not going to be you know, doing the food pantry, which is not bad. It's not like they're better than that. It's just that there was deacons, there was men that were full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom and faith, like Stephen, the church's first martyr. So it was a powerful guy. It wasn't like, these are the losers. It was just that the the main guys were not going to do that, but they had to delegate that. So delegating, whether it's finances or authority, it's all a part of stewardship. And I think that that's something that is really important as it relates to Uh, becoming a disciple, making disciples. Recently, I've been talking to a young guy about just real practical stuff. He just planted a church. And I'm just talking to him about stuff I really wish I would have known eight years ago. Because if I would have known that eight years ago, I would have been ahead of where I am today. And so I'm trying to save him pain uh, by giving him some input. So anyway, um, learning to steward, like I said, that's a part of discipleship. Stewarding your own body. Stewarding your thought life. When we think of stewardship, it's not just money. Um, Any thought that you don't take captive will eventually take you captive. So you have to take thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ because the goal is to become Christ-like. Here's another one that doesn't get talked about a lot, but I think is very important, especially for people who are not in vocational ministry. And if you're in vocational ministry, you will not last if you don't have a strong work ethic. So developing a strong work ethic In terms of what you're doing is unto the Lord and doing it in the name of Jesus like you're doing it for Jesus is really a big thing. The same way when you're working in the marketplace, you're not actually working for your boss, but you're actually working for the Lord. I think that that's a really, really big thing to think about because it's like, how can I represent Jesus well if I'm not even doing my job well? excellence becomes the platform you speak on at work. Yeah. So it's really important that you're on time, that you're gracious with people, patient with people, and that, that when you step up to the plate at work, that you hit the ball out of the park, you do your best, you bring your A game, and you come ready because it's hard to influence them about Jesus if you're not even good at why you've been hired. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's yeah. I think, that there's a disconnect. Like I'm really, like in, a, in this season of my life, I'm really like, when you go to a new job, don't tell them show them mm. show and tell like show them jesus and tell them why you you behave and interact that way not just tell people jesus 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 show them jesus yeah um mm.
2: paul was even admonishing the church in thessalonians about that yes some of them were just trying to freeload lazy in the kingdom yeah
0: mm-hmm.
1: reminds me of something that uh Prophet Abner says he said, uh "Oh, someone talking about someone praying, praying, praying for breakthrough." And Lord, I want blessing on this in my life. And he was like, "Well, the first thing you need to do is go repent to your boss for being late every day for the past five years." And the <laughs> whole crowd is just, <laughs> <like>, oh. <laughs> yeah, screaming, laughing. Yep. but um, Yeah, yeah, that's real. A
0: lot of practical things like that mm-hmm. are actually a part of discipleship. And even even when you're when you're talking about like supernatural, mm-hmm. there's always a natural aspect to the supernatural of God. Yeah. Like Jesus getting ready to feed, you know, 5,000 and he says, "Okay, sit down in groups of 50." Mm-hmm. So he sets order, and order is the thing that facilitates blessing and abundance. Yeah. So there's there's a there's the super and then there's the natural. And I think that in the marketplace and in the workplace, if we would do the natural well, it opens the door to the supernatural mm-hmm. because for me like if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing i really don't want to hear from you i know that sounds messed up but that's just how i feel like if someone is not on task and on point mm-hmm. why would i want their input about anything else if they're not even able to do what they're paid to do well yeah mm-hmm. so to me that's a no mm-hmm. a no brainer
2: i got one um suffering well is part of discipleship
0: Ooh.
2: yeah and you know outside of jesus apostle paul displays that the best in the bible mm. you know through his letters i mean he went apostle paul went through it if you follow his life through his letters and acts and you know i've been reading second corinthians and he opens up second corinthians and you could tell he really went through it like he's dejected he's disappointed he's hurt he's been imprisoned stoned betrayed by his church members and whatnot but, yep. one, but one thing he says in uh Second Corinthians uh, chapter one, starting with verse eight, he goes, for we did not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we have experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Yes. Indeed, we felt that we had received a sentence of death. That's, that's yes. the type of despair he's in. But he goes, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on the God who raises the dead. So even yeah. in the suffering, he's finding the gem where it's like, they to rely on God. Yeah. Yeah. God's not the author of our suffering, but
0: he uses it all. He uses it. Yeah. I, when you started talking, I was like, I hope he reads that verse. Really? And you did. Wow. I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> There's another one that Jesus said, too, on the same trend of thought. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death, mm-hmm. which is a similar idea. Paul had a de- sense of death in himself. Like, he's like, mm-hmm. you know, we're. we're he he was like to die is christ you know yeah. to die as gain yeah. to live as christ mm-hmm. and so he was a dead man and he was actually and and i understand like he he's he was so done that he's like i'd rather die <laughs> and then later on one of his other letters he's like i'm here for you guys <laughs> <laughs> so so it's like tell us what you really think paul mm-hmm. but you know he also you know mentioned his suffering which was great incredible mm-hmm. stone shipwrecked betrayed false brethren countrymen betrayed him he got abandoned by every church except uh the, the F- Philippines mm-hmm. when he was in prison they were the only church that stood with him in persecution
2: and he was probably the happiest guy he's happy time. no <laughs> one
0: wrote about hope or joy in the new testament more than him yeah and he was in some of the most insane situations and he he defines his situations as a temporary light affliction yeah mm-hmm. You know, and he sees things through. This is what happens when God deals with a man. He sees the the, the brightness of Jesus' face shuts down his retinas for three days, and he says, we see through a glass dimly. Yeah. We live in a generation of people that are calling vision, you know, vain imaginations, vision. Hmm. And here this guy sees Jesus, and he goes, we see through the glass dimly. Yeah. You know, like the level of humility. And that see, that's how you know that God has dealt with a man. Yeah. They, they do all things well. Mm-hmm. They can abase, they can abound, they can suffer well. They show up because God is with them and they keep going and, and that was that was what his life was. I mean, the guy gets stoned outside of a city, left for dead, stands back up and marches into the city he was stoned in front of. I mean, it's insane. Mm. Like,
2: you know, like... Yeah, you can't touch a man who's already dead in Christ. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: I, um, I took like a... A while to go through acts I think I was reading through it for about six weeks and yep. it was just blowing my mind like and every time I would just read a couple chapters I would just like put my phone down and just like start crying in my pillow <laughs> like literally <laughs> I was just like well. Yeah. and um I think at one point I can't even remember it was like one of Paul's beatings and he just like gets like stoned and beat up by a whole group of like angry Jews or something and like he just turns around and just starts like preaching like to them like he literally like i think he had just got out of prison or something but he literally just like got beat and then just starts like testifying like so powerfully like right after that and i'm like really just trying to like yeah. imagine the scene in my head and i'm just like imagine like his clothes just hanging off like his like,
0: like half broken
1: <laughs> body like he's literally got like beat up and then he just uh, goes back up onto his soapbox uh, and just continues like yeah. to testify like it's and, insane
0: he's like beat in prison he's been st- chained to somebody yeah. and at midnight he decides to have a worship service it's yeah. <laughs> so like you know yeah. like but yeah. but that's the kingdom yep mm-hmm. because the kingdom within him mm-hmm. is defining how he's living and responding not his situation yeah so that's kingdom
2: folk we will suffer we'll face suffering but it's really the strength through it that marks us differently
0: so real disciples suffer well yeah, yeah. And you know what? You don't suffer in your own strength. You suffer with the grace of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So whether you're abasing or abounding, we speak blessing over you to be faithful to the Lord in every season because he's been faithful to you. Amen. In Jesus' name. Thanks, Amen. Thanks for listening. Adam Levecki here. On behalf of DK, Kim, and I, we want to thank you for listening to the Be Transformed podcast. If you have found this helpful, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. Thanks again for listening to Be Transformed.